What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. But whoever it was asked him if he had asked if there were a- if aliens were a thing, and he was like, "That was my first question." <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Gold, Diamonds, and Death, a James Bond podcast. I am your double host, Jonathan Watkins. I am a writer for all things under the Sin of a Sense brand name and a co-host of the Behind the Sense podcast. Joining me each and every week for this endeavor, he is the co-founder of Sin of a Sense, co-host of the weekly podcast, Regatopia, and he did once train as a fighter by getting in the rings with Komodo dragons. Ooh, yes. Yes, I did. I'm I'm probably, uh, it's probably uh, like... Uh, too soon after uh that all those things happen for me to talk about it uh without an emotion without any emotions but maybe if you you catch me five years from now i'll be able to tell you that story and he's also one of my good friends mr chris atkinson how are you doing sir hello doing all right doing all right we of course discuss james bond films on this podcast this week we are going to be discussing skyfall and i know for some fans out there this is considered to be the last good bond film and or craig's best film uh for a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had been a long time since I had seen it, so it was interesting giving it a rewatch. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Our first segment is a segment we like to call Eon Flux. This is a journey. I'm gonna make a movie! We have to go back, Kate. Wow. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research. I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on? We are going to scour through the history of Eon Productions. We are going to give you all the highs and lows that went into the makings of these films. Like I said, we will be talking about a very popular song of Adele's. It just also happens to be a Bond film. Very true. It's, uh, I believe it is the beginning of... I think it is, I think it is the beginning of a three oscar uh three oscars in a row streak for songs uh because this wins uh the oscar uh the sam smith song from specter wins and billy eilish wins in no time to die so uh (laughs) i had no idea that sam smith song won yeah unbelievable right it did but i mean it's 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 a good song but yes it uh it uh, it won uh yes so it is the 23rd film in the official james bond franchise it is the first bond film of the 2010s uh it was also released in 2012 making it the 50th anniversary of the uk release of dr no it wasn't the initial intention that this was going to happen but because of the you know the release date getting delayed a little bit it just kind of fell in line uh, it premiered at the Royal Albert Hall on October 23rd, 2012. Uh, UK got it in wide release on October 26th. Uh, it released here in the U.S. and Canada on November 9th of 2012. Uh, it had a worldwide gross of $1.1 billion mm. on a budget listed between $150 and $200 million. At this time, it was the 14th film ever to cross a billion dollars worldwide. It also became the seventh highest grossing film of all time worldwide. Yeah. Obviously, it's the highest-grossing James Bond film. Uh, even with inflation, that is still the case. Uh, Thunderball would be a close second uh, if you added inflation. Uh, it was a hit. Uh, people definitely went and watched this movie. 
Yes, they did in droves. Domestically, it made three hundred four million. It finished fourth at the mm-hmm. U.S. box office. I thought you might be able to guess the other three films that made more money. So it was what now? It was fourth, two thousand twelve. Well, I know that uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. I I think was one of those. Um, uh, Harry Potter did not have a film released in twenty twelve. I mean, the Avengers is obviously the number one there, but. Yes, Avengers was number one. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's it it's so the Avengers was number one, and um, I'm trying to think of what else because it this was my my last year and my last full year in movie theater. So one of them I can say is the first film in a new franchise, and then I guess one of them is technically the third film in a franchise. But you could say it was like the seventh live action film in that franchise. I guess. Hmm. Oh, so was it, uh, oh, was it like, I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead and and say what they are because I can't. Uh, Dark Knight Rises was uh, was number two. That was the one I said was technically number three in the franchise, Mm -hmm. but it was the seventh live action. Mm -hmm. uh, Actually, technically, I guess it was the eighth live action Batman film. Uh, Hunger Games was uh, was the other one. We started the, the Hunger Games franchise started that year. Uh, this also marks the beginning of Cinema Sins. Yeah, there was uh, December of 2012 is when we started. And uh, and then we did this one. We did Skyfall not too long after we first started. Studio felt a lot of pressure with this one after Quantum was not really received well. I mean, it made money, but no one seemed to like it. Uh, which we explained last week, there were a lot of factors that kind of prevented it from being the movie maybe it could have been. Uh, They were also really wanting to make sure they did something special since this was actually going to be released uh, at the 50-year anniversary. They did start planning this in 2009, uh, but then MGM, as we've talked about throughout almost this entire franchise, were having financial issues again. Uh, I believe they... They were either they had just declared bankruptcy or they were about to. And uh, so it took a while for them to actually have the funds uh, to do anything with this. And that's when they decided, well, we'll just release it in 2012 because that'll be the 50th anniversary of uh, the the 1962 UK release of Dr. No. Um, There was a rumor at one point that they were going to adapt a Bond novel that was written by someone other than Fleming, because I think I've mentioned this before, like a lot of authors have written Bond novels uh, in the past. This was one written by a best-selling author named Jeffrey Deaver. Uh, If you do know him for anything, it's probably the Lincoln Rhyme series, which the the movie The Bone Collector uh, is, is based on. The Bone Collector is the first book in that series. They also had a TV show a few years ago. It only lasted a season. So he had written a novel called uh, Carte Blanche, which I actually read back then because I was just reading Jeffrey Deaver novels frequently. I don't really read him anymore for whatever reason, but um, I don't remember much about it. But uh, Eon has always denied that that was even a thing. Uh, they decided on the title of Skyfall, uh, since it's the name of Bond's uh, childhood home, which also becomes the setting for the finale. And there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of themes in here of like, you know, going back to the past and and stuff like that. So that's kind of where that's coming from. We got Sam Mendez as a director. Uh, if you are if you talk, if you if you if you are a fan of the auteur theory, you could argue this is the first auteur that's ever actually been invited to direct a Bond film. Like, I, 
I personally don't know if there's like a Sam Mendes style though. I could be wrong, but like, uh, yeah, um, there were, I didn't really watch this movie looking for that, but there were some moments, especially with the, um, the scene where Rory Kinnear is talking to him during the, mm-hmm. uh, evaluations that he goes through. That's very, oh, yeah. very Sam Mendes. If you think about like American beauty, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and things of that nature. But, um, it, it, there, there were some flourishes in there. And I think just like any big studio movie, you can put somebody in, I mean, a big studio movie with, uh, with people who are generally considered the bosses or showrunners of a mm-hmm. franchise. When a director like this comes in, sure, I'm sure he has some power, but I don't know how much power he has still, even with all that. Yeah. Because it's kind of like when Marvel gets, you know, Marvel gets a Sam Raimi or something like that. You see, mm-hmm. you see some touches that Sam Raimi puts into like Spider-Man and things like that. You can see yeah. every once in a while the studio's like, okay, do your Sam Raimi stuff. But for the rest of it, they're like, just just make the movie that we want you to make yeah. and and they and it seems what it it seems like what happens uh most of the time uh so yeah there are moments in here that i could say yeah i've seen that in other sam mendes movies but you're right i don't mm-hmm. know if there's like a i mean maybe and i'll, I'll be honest i i haven't like i I've, I've seen most of his stuff but i haven't like revisited mm-hmm. it so other than maybe i've seen american beauty probably a handful mm-hmm. of times and there's a couple of his movies i've never seen um, but I like didn't remember that he did Jarhead. Like yeah. I did not remember that at all. Yeah. Well, and you, and you um, are you, you're a big Road to Perdition person, right? I yeah. No, I like it, but I, I haven't seen it in mm. a minute either. I but I've seen it a handful of times. Yeah, too. he yeah. did a movie. Like he did a, did a Way We Go, and he did. Um, uh, yeah, that's yeah, one. I that was one seen. of his like small pictures and Revolutionary mm. Road, which I didn't like too much. Michael Shannon's in it. I mean, my, Michael Shannon got nominated for an Oscar for it. He's really good. But like DiCaprio and Winslet, it seems like they're kind of like trying to recreate like, hey, you remember these two yeah. guy, two people from Titanic? Well, now they're, you know, they're in this horrible love story or whatever, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost positive I've seen that, but I don't remember much about it. Although I also get it. There was another movie that came out around that same time that had like a similar title. I think Joaquin, Fe- Joaquin Phoenix was in it, maybe. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Resurrection oh, Road or yeah. something like that. No, no. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but anyways, uh, yeah. So he did say, though, Mendes said a couple things about that. He said he was hesitant to do it uh, because he he felt like he didn't really know. Like, he, he always assumed that was more like a work by committee, which I guess it kind mm-hmm. of is. But Daniel Craig really wanted him. Uh, Daniel Craig worked with him on Road to Perdition. Really liked him. Oh, and also, and, sorry, uh, uh, also got to okay. mention 1917 in this too. That was his, that was oh, his, of course, Durr. that was his yeah. last. Uh, that's the last one that I remember him doing. But he may have done something since. I'm not sure. I don't know that he has. I mean, that was only a few years ago. Yeah, don't know. That's another thing. He doesn't like come out with a movie every you know two years yeah. either. So he did something I guess called Empire of Light, which I didn't see. It's got a. Little, Oh, that was oh, Durr, of course. That was the one that was uh, last year. That was like an Oscar Beatty thing that did not go over well. But it was basically like the Fablemans mm. and uh, uh, Armageddon time, where it was like it was about Olivia Coleman's character. But I think that was supposed to be like a a representation of his mm-hmm. mother. Um, and she's like, it's like set, I think, in 1980. A lot of it takes place at this theater. Yeah, uh, I never saw I, it. I have not yeah. watched it. 
I haven't watched it either. It's like on HBO Max or something, but I just haven't sat down and watched it. I haven't heard anything mm -hmm. great about it. Either way you look at it, this is by far the biggest director they have ever hired for James yeah, Bond. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think still is. Like, no, I don't nobody know that, is. I don't know him. that anyone else no. would compete. So Mendez, he really liked working with Craig. Craig really wanted him to do it. So then he met with Broccoli and um, Lewis, and uh, he felt like they were actually going to let him do some things that he wanted to do. L Lewis? Uh, so uh, Michael G. Wilson. Lewis. Wilson. Yeah. Dur, yeah. Dur, Wilson, yeah. I don't, I don't know Lewis came from. Uh, right, you know, Lewis, sure. man, come the on. Guys, he's been on, you know, he's been on about 23 of these motherfuckers. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, Wilson, sorry. Um, so anyway, so he he signs on, uh, and he's there from the beginning. Like, he, they signed him, like, around mm -hmm. 09. Um, and so he, he stuck around. Yeah. And uh, still ended up doing it, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he was also excited because he got to shoot it in England. Uh, even though he's an English person, he's never shot yeah. a movie in England. That was one thing. That was there was again. There wasn't a making of on the Skyfall. There was, there were they they, they started doing this thing called shooting bond since uh, I think since the Daniel Craig's have started, where yeah. they give you some snippets of things that are happening while they're shooting, but none of the, none of that backstory stuff that they've been doing. But, uh, one of them that I watched had uh, Sam Mendes mentioned that it was like, it's, it's weird. I'm from England, but I've never shot a movie in England. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So, uh, another huge, huge fucking name that joins this is Hell Roger. Yeah. Deacon. Roger fucking Deacons. Um, yeah. he's a cinematographer on this. Uh, and he had worked yep. with Mendes on stuff like Jarhead revolutionary road. Uh, but Roger Deakins, just a legend, uh, maybe the, I don't know. I mean, I would assume a lot of people that are really into cinematography, he'd be right up there. Yeah, as one it took of the absolutely forever for him to win his first Oscar, but he, yeah. So I know he, yeah, he's, he's a legend. There's no doubt about it. He was the, he was the Randy Newman. He kind of was. Yeah. I mean, he did so many of the great, <laughs> uh, the, the, the Coen brothers movies and, um, yeah. there are just so many like just oh. stunning looking movies that he did he didn't win an oscar for uh dennis gasner did return uh to do the production designer uh, again so that was cool um so this script was first started on in 2009 they hired peter morgan uh he had written mm. the queen uh, uh frost nixon which is a yep. movie i really love maybe my favorite I don't know if it's my favorite Ron Howard well, movie, but it's in that again, conversation. Well, once again, Ron Howard like showing movie. that his, like, yeah. making biopics and things like it are his best, his forte, yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least it's a little different approach to the biopic, which yeah, I always yeah. am a fan of, so. Um, he ended up leaving, though, uh, because, uh, because of all the stuff that MGM was going through, and he couldn't wait, so he was just like, I'm going to go write something else. Uh but he does claim that the final script was based on his original idea. Uh, Sam Mendes says mm, that's bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, there was also a treatment uh, that Morgan, Morgan did work on a treatment, and that was with our friends, not our friends, but just who we've been talking about the last few weeks, Neil Purvis and Robert yeah, Witt. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. You know, whatever. They're not going to look. They're we've not going to mention them I mean, several so, times. Yeah. We are friends. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Mm. I know. We're good friends with Eva, Eva, Gre absolutely. Eva Green now, too. Absolutely. You know? so, so the treatment was based around the fact, the idea, it was always involving Elm. Like Elm was heavily involved. Uh, the Ju Judy Dench's Elm was heavily involved in this, in this film, um, in the storyline. Uh, and this one though, she's being blackmailed by a former KGB, 
uh, agent that mm. she had an affair with. Uh, and in the end of the film actually had Bond killing her. Interesting. He was forced to kill her. I didn't find mm. out why, but uh, Mendez mm. hated that for the most part. He liked, well, no, he, I'm sorry. He did not hate the ending. He actually did like the, he wanted, he, they, that was when he was cool with them dying. I guess it was just the, the stuff mm. that led up to that. Oh, okay. He didn't, he didn't like as much. Purvis and Wade then wrote a script. Uh, they claimed their biggest inspiration was You Only Live Twice, A Man with a Golden Gun, which hmm. I thought was weird. Uh, but it's just because Bond is presumed dead in both of those. Uh, in, in their original idea, he was going to be suffering from amnesia. He was also going to get like that. I guess it's that woman that he ends up like we see him in bed mm-hmm. with early on. Like we never really yeah. meet her. Uh, but he was supposed to get that character was supposed hmm. to get pregnant. And that was supposed to factor in later to the to the storyline. Uh, the villain, though, was was along the lines of Scaramanga, which yeah. is the man with the golden gun villain. And uh, they claimed that Heart of Darkness was kind of their inspiration as far as like okay. the mood. So I'm guessing it was something like they Bond would have to go to this island or something. And then I guess Scaramanga was kind of like the ruler of that island. And it was going to kind of have a, okay. a deal like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Could I mean, you know, you never yeah. know. It could be cool. Uh, Purvis and Wade, they write another script uh, called Nothing is Forever. <laughs> uh, this included a villain named Raul Souza. Okay. Uh, and he and Elm was going to die in this one uh, by a bomb that the villain planted on the Barcelona Metro uh, train or whatever that's called. But then they did start incorporating a lot of the things that that we see uh, in the final film. Um, but then uh, John Logan, another big name, mm-hmm. um, maybe even a bigger name than than Haggis at this point. Uh, he wrote Gladiator. He wrote The Last Samurai, uh, The Aviator. Yeah. Uh, of course, Star Trek Nemesis. Of course. I mean, that's, you know, that's the one everybody knows him mm-hmm. for. Yep. <laughs> he got, he got uh, that Esther House money with that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but he kept most of the basic story. The big change that he added was uh, the final act tasting, taking place in Scotland at Bond's ancestral home or old homestead, whatever you want to call that. Uh, he also is the one that wrote the, uh, the rat story. Oh, uh, okay. That, uh, that Silva tells, mm-hmm. which. That's how I, always, I every ever since then every time I hear somebody say co- I always think coconut. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love how he pronounces coconut. Mm-hmm. I I I will. I'm not gonna lie. I love Javier Bardem. Like I, yeah. I It's weird. He's in a ton of movies, but I still feel like people don't appreciate him for what as it good as he is. It does seem that way, actually. Yeah. I just it. He's he's always like even if you took this and which I guess we can talk about this more in the review, but even if you took this and is it sugar? Is that yeah, the no Anto- country for Anton sugar? Yeah. Yeah. Like they're both similar, but I don't know, but his approach to both of them is so different. Um, he's even though obviously it's Bardelm, it's his, it's his, you know, the, his dialect and everything, mm-hmm. but way, I don't know, way less crazy. talky. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not going to tell a rat story. Yeah, yeah. To, I, to that, this was one of the things that we send in this was this rat story. It was just like, <laughs> like, did, did we have to introduce this whole thing with a big rat story? <laughs> like, it's this whole walk all the way from the elevator all the way to Bond, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, this... It's one of those things... Oh, so you're ahead, the sorry. last two rats in this story. Okay, <laughs> that seemed... All right, yeah. okay. It's one of those things that it's actually it's it is kind of cool, but it is also like easy to say. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of exactly. like it serves both. Very, purposes. very true. Uh, I thought this was interesting in in the book. In the book I use for this, nobody does it better. Which I, like I said, I always say I highly recommend. Uh, they talk about how uh, somebody was pointing out that this Bond plot 
follows like like it it almost I don't know if they did this on purpose, but it almost seems to take bits from all of the Brosnan bonds. Um you've got Bond screws up on a mission. Yeah. And he's cast into the wilderness, which is kind of like Die Another Day. Mm-hmm. MI six is blown up. Yeah. Which when I saw that, I was like why is this like deja vu? Because I was like, I have not seen this movie in a long time. And then I was like, oh, yeah, World is Not Enough to the same Yeah, point. yeah. Uh, Bond returns to service but must reprove his worth, right. which happens in Die Another Day. Uh, he faces off against a former MI6 operative, yep. uh, Goldeneye. He also romances the supervillain's romantic partner who is then killed by the supervillain, yep. which is what Tomorrow Never Dies happens. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, it's also interesting, too, that... Uh, the James Judy, Dame Judy Dench's character Elm, she in a way becomes the Bond girl. Uh, I mean, if you know whatever you want to call that term, mm-hmm. but uh, what what in most movies is usually the the romantic interest, right? Uh, she kind of takes that spot, and so it's kind of more of this like almost like mother son, yeah, uh, relationship, which is is pretty fascinating. And I feel like the one thing Quantum and Casino Royale did that kind of paid off in the story was I felt like they built that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you kind of have it. It does make it a little more, it, it's, it hits a little harder. I think with that, with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, there, there's also a fan theory um, that between quantum and skyfall, we're supposed to assume that Craig's bond has done all the missions that we saw Brosnan and Connery Dalton and more do <laughs> because he seems a lot, he seems a lot more grizzled, I guess, and a little more like, Almost more like a veteran. Yeah. Uh, they do leave out Lazenby's though because they say that Vesper replaces um, uh, Tracy. Yeah. You know from from Honor Majesty Secret Service. Yeah. But I don't believe that theory. I just I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Um, it, he's obviously one thing that you can tell from this is he's obviously way better a fighter than he was in the first yes. of the in Casino Royale and. He's obviously learned a lot of things since then, but uh, yeah, learns how to ride a motorcycle. Yeah, like a stunt absolutely <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's I I, I love those th- fan theories, but it's like yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that but it would be funny just to like replace Craig's face and all yeah. those or something. I don't know. Anyways, um, as far as the cast, we've already mentioned Daniel Craig's back. Uh, this is his third outing. This is his third of five. Uh, Judy Dench is back. This is her seventh, and this is her last mm. time as yep. them because, well, she gets yep. killed. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, Javier Bardem, uh, who we talked about a little bit here, uh, he plays Raul Silva, as the, the villain's name was changed to. Um, and uh, Javier Bardem, listeners, if it's not somebody you know uh, from the name, uh, No Country for Old Men, we already mentioned. Uh, he's also really good in this Woody Allen film called Vicky Cristina yeah. Barcelona. He plays an ex-MI6 operative, much like Sean Bean uh, in Goldeneye, and he's now a cyber terrorist. Uh, Mendez always wanted Bardem. Like, he never really went after anybody else. Um, They both talked about and decided to dye dye his hair blonde, um, which people have speculated is a nod to Julian Assange, Hmm. uh, the WikiLeaks co-founder, but that's never been confirmed. Hmm. I'm going to screw up this name. Uh, Berenice Marlowe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, plays uh, Severine. Uh, she is Silva's like right-hand woman, uh, the one that he ends up killing after she sleeps with Bond. Um, she hasn't done much before or after, but uh, I thought she was pretty good yep. in this. 
She also talked about, in a thing I read, she has a severe fear of drowning, and there's a shower scene where they're, like, talking to each Mm -hmm. other. So she said they were in that shower for, like, hours, because that takes a while to film stuff, and then every time they would talk or whatever, she would get water in her mouth and her nose, and so it, it like, freaked her the fuck Mm -hmm. out, because, you know, even though, I mean, she knew nobody was going to let her, like, anything happen to her, but it just still, she had such a hard, she she just had a really hard time with that scene. It's just interesting to me. It's, like, it's never, like, the... I had to ride a motorcycle that jumped over a canyon. It's like, oh, I didn't, the shower right, scene right, right. really yeah, fucked me up. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Ray Fiennes, uh, his first of three mm-hmm. appearances, at least, uh, as Gareth Mallory, who he conveniently has a last name that starts exactly. with L. I'd like to throw that out there. <laughs> um, he does end up becoming M by the end of the movie. Uh, he was then allowed to say much about, he couldn't really talk about his character at all uh, in the press junkets and stuff. So he said that was really mm-hmm. weird. He would just say, you know, I'm, I'm a character and it was really fun to shoot. <laughs> like, uh, and then Naomi Harris plays Eve, who we end up finding out as Money yep. Penny. And she was kind of in the same boat. But uh, what's interesting about her character, though, is at the beginning of this movie, she's a field agent. Um, she's out with Bond working a, working a case. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really curious your take on that ending, by the way. I can't wait to yeah. talk about that. Um, Albert Finney, who I did not recognize as uh, he's Kincaid. Although the voice uh, is unmistakable. Yeah, no. Once I found out it was him, I was like, mm-hmm, oh, yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, Albert Finney, a classic uh, famous actor from the past, uh, the original Murder on the Orient mm-hmm. Express, uh, I don't know if he won an award for Tom Jones, but I know that was the best picture of that year. Uh, he was also in the Bourne Ultimatum. Mm. Uh, he's, I mean, he's been in a ton yep. of shit. I mean, I don't... Um, but he plays Kincaid. He passed away uh, a few years ago. Yeah, it was... Like 2017 uh, or something like that. Yep. 2019. Uh, there was talk of them trying to bring Sean Connery to play this role. Um, Sean Connery says he just wasn't interested because uh, he had been retired from acting at this point, because uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was like nine years, or at least eight years before they would have been filming this, and um, so he was retired. So they were hoping they were trying to. There was rumor they were trying to bring him out of retirement. Well, and uh, but then and I saw something in the IMDb trivia, and again, it's so funny how these stories like there'll be wildly diverging stories about stuff like this. Um, the uh, apparently Sam Mendes said that he didn't want to do he didn't want to put Sean Connery in it because correct the idea was that he of course Sean Connery is not going to play a different character he's James Bond so we can't do that yeah. and so it says I nixed that early on or something like that so it's like okay mm-hmm. all right well yeah I agree I don't think Sean Connery should have been in this role <laughs> you know. Yeah, I read that he he said it would be like stunt casting. It would just come off as like really just that's yeah. all it is, you know. Which I think everybody would have thought that too. Um, but then there's also Connery or pe- Connery's people have said that he just turned it down. Yeah, and so, I'm sure I I'm I, honestly I yeah wouldn't have blamed him on that uh, at all. Um, no, Albert Finney, by the way, has been nominated for Oscars five times, never won. He did get nominated. Okay, so he he gets nominated, nominated for, for Tom, Tom Jones. Jones. Yes. Yeah, I didn't think he won. I, I was thinking it was somebody else that year, but I, I knew the mo- I know the movie was. He the has best been uh, one of the few best pictures I've never seen. He has been nominated uh, three times for movies. Well, no, two other times for movies I had never heard of before. One's called The Dresser, and another one. Yeah, that was like in the uh, 80s, yeah eighty four, right? and then another one was called uh, Under I've the Volcano. Actually. 
Oh yeah, that was a. Uh, I guess the, I guess that would have been eighty three, and then he was nominated for the nineteen eighty four Oscars, and then nineteen eighty four was under the volcano. And God, I hate it when they do that. Yeah, no, I know, mm. I do too. Uh, I've heard of both of those movies. I've never seen either mm-hmm. one of them. Um, under Under the Volcano is based on a really popular book. I don't. I, I've never read it, but I know that. And then I think the dresser was a was a Peter Yates film. Mm. Um, well, and so was he nominated for Murder on the Orient Express? Yes, that was the that was okay. the, one of the others, and then of course Aaron Brockovich was the other one. So, oh yeah, he's an Aaron Brockovich. I didn't I didn't think about that one. Yep, he's really good in that. He really is. Uh, but I mean, he's always good. It's Albert fucking Finney. Yep. Uh, I only have a couple more people. This isn't really that big of a cast, uh, but we do have the introduction of our new Q uh, that is played by Ben Wishall. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably known now mostly for being the voice of Paddington yep. would be my guess. Yep. Um, and he, he's lovely. He does a great voice, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. I mean, he's I believe the recognize. first time I ever saw Ben Wishaw, was it young poisoners handbook? Was that the one that I saw? He's in, in perfume. Perfume. He might be in young poisoners handbook too. I don't, I don't know. think he's in that. Yeah. I think it's perfume is the one that, uh, that I remember. Uh, yeah, 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 it was, it wasn't young poisoners, but it was, it, yeah. Perfume was the one that I first saw him in. Yes, that's that, that had to be the first time I saw him. The first time I really paid attention, he was on this, I don't remember the name of the show, but it was this BBC series that played over here on BBC America. It was about a, like a radio station or something. Mm-hmm. But but I had seen him in a few things, but yeah, like he it's got to be perfume. He was also in Layer Cake. I don't remember him in Layer Cake. I don't but, either. But I saw he was that. In that. But yeah. yeah. Uh, and I don't even know if that would have anything to do with it because I mean, he's so much younger than Craig, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, and of course, because we can't go an episode without mentioning Tanner, Roy Kinnear's back. Roy Kinnear. <laughs> I think he gets even more screen time in this movie. He does. He keeps mm-hmm. like each movie. He gets a little more, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it almost feels like he has his own storyline. Kind <laughs> of. Yeah. In the kind last of. One. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, It'd be like the what is the, the the famous episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where they were uh, chasing around Brendan like the the show is just showing Brendan Gleeson not Brendan Gleeson uh, what's his name the it's showing the one guy but not the rest of the crew the rest of the crew's all fighting vampires oh sh- yeah you're talking about uh what is this that actor's name it's uh xander is the character but yeah uh, it's yeah that's one of my favorite episodes and yeah. nobody really talks about that one um oh yeah like he's like he's off like he's like he hits up like hooking nicholas up with the elijah Dusty. yeah uh, N- nicholas, nicholas brendan. brendan yeah uh but uh, yeah it's that one where yeah it's 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 just following around xander all the way through and everything so yeah, yeah. that's what rory kinnear's characters do he's there's yeah. they need to have they have an episode which shows all the stuff he does behind the scenes while james bond is on these adventures <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome tanner yeah all right, filming wise, so we shot all they shot all over London. I mean, Sam Mendes was like, "I'm all in on England. We're shooting in England." Mm-hmm. Uh, they even, I thought the there's this uh, these tunnels called the Old Vic tunnels. That's where they shot the like the uh, MI6s, uh, which I don't get that either. Like MI6 has to obviously have backup places because like Q's got like this entire like like room and everything with all this stuff going on, and it's like that had to have already been built like yeah. in these tunnels. So maybe they did. Maybe they had to, another, or maybe that's where some other people worked or something. But uh, the the old Vic tunnels is what that place is called, like the, in that in reality, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like an underground arts venue. And uh, 
but it closed in 2013. Yeah, I am assuming that yes, that is just in case MI6 yeah. is impossible, like or like impossible to access, or something has happened to it. Yeah. They can still run their operations and whatever. I would assume there is somewhere for the president to go, though. You would if think some shit went down. You would think. It's probably down there with, you know, the alien spaceship and oh. the, uh, the guy that created uh, COVID. Oh, for right sure. There. For sure. They're both right there <laughs> by each other. Oh, I mean, there was an interview with Barack Obama. I don't remember who was talking to him. It might have been like, I don't remember who it was, but whoever it was, it might have been Stephen Colbert, but that might not be right. But whoever it was asked him if he had asked if there were a- if aliens were a thing. And he was like, that was my first question. <laughs> <laughs> they also shot some of it. Oh, and then I was going to say, uh, and even though Bond's home is supposed to be in Scotland, uh, they actually built that in a place called uh, Hankley Common. It's in Surrey, England. Mm. So they did not go to Scotland. Uh, they also shot in Turkey. Uh, the Varda viaduct was used at the beginning where Bond is shot and supposedly killed. Mm. Uh, that was the stunt of Bond falling off the train and into the water. It was performed by Andy Lister. It was a 300-foot drop, and he had to dive backwards. Uh, Jesus. I don't know how they did They had a They had a crane, though, that was like holding a safety line. So there was something there if, if things went awry. Mm-hmm. But uh, that my fear of heights just kicked in when I read that. I was like, oh. Um, the production was accused of damaging some buildings while they were filming that rooftop, the motorcycle chase across the rooftops. Yeah. Really cool. Which is um, of course the, I mean, it's these rooftop scenes are such a hallmark of action movies, uh, starting mm-hmm. with the born movies and everything. It's like, it seems like there's a rooftop scene in every action movie, like from born to mission impossible to this, there's just like always a rooftop scene. I don't know what the deal is, but there's, people love shooting action scenes on rooftops. Yeah. Even like the crow, there's like this. Yeah. Um, and it's like not only that, it's rooftop or top of a train, which you get both of those. Yep. Uh, in this one, the train thing, I always think there's an Archer episode where Archer says something. I just want to fight on top of a train. Mm-hmm. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like he gets up there, like all the wind hits him in the eyes. I can't see yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, Michael G. Wilson denied that they did any damage, though. He said they specifically, or or Michael G. Lewis, if that's what you want to call yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Lewis. I know what that's from. He wrote Moneyball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I. That's the name. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Michael G. Wilson, the guy that did not write Moneyball. That's true. Um. He said they removed sections of the roof and they actually built their own like replacements so they wouldn't do any damage. Mm-hmm. But I guess they could have still done some damage underneath, but who knows. Uh, China was actually featured in the film, but it was just setup shots. The actors, uh, the principal cast and everything they filmed uh, in the UK. Uh, the Ascot racehorse was supposed to be Shanghai's International Airport. And then London's Broadgate Tower was used as the entrance to the lobby of the Shanghai office building. But they did let them come in like and shoot from like a helicopter and do establishing shots and stuff like that. Uh, we've mentioned that they've been supposed to shoot in China quite a few times uh, mm-hmm. in the last like, you know, 10 or 15 years leading up to this one. So And this scene, that scene, too, by the way, uh, the when they when he goes to China and he has that uh, that fight with the assassin or whatever. Yeah, uh, I feel like that particular scene had had like inspired stuff like john wick and uh yeah i and i wouldn't be surprised and some of the later mission impossible movies too because there's w- there's a thing that we start seeing in movies where these where these agents or you know whatever go into yeah, these yeah like like tremendously 
fantastic clubs or yeah. or like air, like stuff that's got all this digital uh digital yeah. stuff going on and that's exactly what this does and it's and it and it, <laughs> it seems early enough that it like that's where john wick and mission impossible and all that it, maybe yeah i wouldn't be surprised maybe it, it, there were some other ones before this that did it but this is it's such a unique scene uh seeing all this stuff that i figured like i feel like it was a one of the inspirations so yeah i agree um i mean the first club scene i always think of is blade uh, oh yeah that's a whole different thing mm-hmm. you know but i know what you're talking about um, well there's that scene in bond where all the blood comes out of the fire sprinklers and everything and then the vampires <laughs> start drinking it up <laughs> it's such a crazy thing that happens so. yeah also, yeah and speaking of sam mendez inspired stuff i thought it was weird when he walked into the garage and a shirtless kevin spacey was lifting weights that was I very that was an odd. very weird that they though i mean good cameo but uh it was really weird <laughs> um but yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. I mean, I've always thought that John Wick films felt a little felt a little bondish at times. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, it, I will say, and I mean, not to I mean, not to give away too much. Even if you don't really like the movie, I think the the fighting, the action sequence in this one are quite a step up from yeah uh, stuff we've seen in the last I probably agree. several. Um, the Golden Dragon Casino in Macau that was actually built. I thought that was crazy. Mm. Uh, it consisted of 300 floating lanterns and two 30-foot high dragon heads. Uh, I mean, the, so. there's there. I mean, this is it's like almost like they were like, we've got Roger Deakins shooting this, so let's put yeah. all the coolest shit we can possibly put in uh, for him to shoot. So that's what it. But I assume that was a real place. I had no idea yeah, they built that same place. Same thing. It's like it's like a rear window mm-hmm. where they uh, they built the apartment complex. Yeah. I guess if you're Sam Mendes and you're doing a Bond movie, you get your you get your stuff. You get it. Um. Silva's lair, uh, the Javier Bardem's character, his lair was inspired by this place called Hashima, which is an abandoned island. Uh, it's off the coast of Nagasaki, Japan. Okay. Uh, abandoned islands to me too, like they're super creepy. Like you'll, there's like that that one where there's like like all those breeds of snakes on it. I think I can't remember what. Oh that's yeah, called. I know what you're and talking then, about. Yeah. And then there's one where there's just all these like discarded uh, dolls. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> like. Uh, it's like it's like uh it's like closed down amusement parks mm. like stuff like that just creeps me out closed down malls yeah Ugh. um daniel craig performed uh, a lot of these stunts himself uh, he did yeah. the escalator thing which i mean i don't know how he couldn't have done that i mean that the way, i mean they they show him the whole right. way down i mean i guess nowadays you could, i mean i don't i'm sure even in yeah. 2012 you could stick a, a like a blue thing over the person's head and then digit yeah. put a put him in through digital, you know. Well, and I could be wrong, but I think Bardem, for instance, I think you just see him start to do it, and then they shoot him from behind, yeah. if I remember correctly. So I don't know that he he might and he might have done mm-hmm. it, but I th- I feel like his. So they could have done something like that, but uh, that looked fun as hell, though. I would have been like, I'm doing this, yeah. One. Like I'll sign whatever papers, right? <laughs> I want to slide down a goddamn escalator, yeah. <laughs> um. Well, they, and you could even tell. Well, no, I think Bardem maybe did do it though, because like he falls off of it or whatever. So I don't maybe know. That was him. I, I wasn't know. really paying. It's crazy. I wasn't really paying much attention to what to whether or not they were doing. Yeah, it. no, I understand. I think it's cool that when Bond fought, comes off it though, like he's he he's like immediately in a run. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I, I feel like a few of those had to be he fell, but uh, he kept getting up there. Uh, he also performed his stunts on the rooftop fight and on top of the top of the moving train. Uh, 
Judy Dench, this is an interesting trivia fact. Judy Dench has more screen time in this movie than Desmond Llewellyn does in his 17. Very crazy. Uh, movies that he was in. Uh, so she, after this, he was the most recurring character based on screen time after Bond, but after this one, it became her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Komodo dragons, which we mentioned earlier, uh, they were computer animated. That is, and it's, God, that's such a weird scene. Um, Deacon said it was really, Deacon said it was really difficult process because the, uh, the Komodo, dra- like Komodo dragons are really slow mm-hmm. and they don't move a lot. So he said anything, like when you're trying to do a computer animation, he said anything that's really static, like just doesn't move. He says the better chance it looks fake. Mm. Uh, so it took them a long time to figure that out. And at one point they were thinking about switching it to crocodiles because mm. if they did crocodiles, they would actually, they could use real yeah. ones. Uh, but I guess nobody trained Komodo dragons. Hmm. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, they ended up, they figured it out and they went with the Komodo dragons. So was there anything else about the production that you had? That, no, before I get I into like, the music? you know, like I said, now, now that they're not playing, giving the uh, making ofs anymore on these discs, at least yeah. the ones that I have uh, so far, we'll see with Spectre. Cause I'm going to be getting out of the 50, 50 year. Yeah anniversary box set so when i get to specter it'll be the um it'll be a, a lone disc and we'll see if oh nice we'll see that um if it's if it has more making of stuff not to say that the others didn't they they just they just yeah. left them off of those for some reason yeah i'm just i'm just i'm for some reason i feel like they did something different with those movies in the box set than they did in the individual packaging. And I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll see with Spectre, yeah. but no, yeah, no, no, I don't, I didn't really see much with this one. They, like I said, they do mm-hmm. have the shooting bond thing, but that was like an hour long. and did not have time to watch mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I understand. Yep. Um, so music wise, uh, Thomas Newman uh, yeah. comes on to do the score this time. He replaces David Arnold. Uh, he had worked with Mendez on basically all of his films. Yeah. Uh, previous to this he also, he also scored the player yeah he also gets nominated for this thomas newman mm-hmm. i yeah i to be quite honest even though i i feel like i uh thomas newman is one of those composers that you just hear his stuff and you're like oh yeah, i know yeah. who that is i didn't really feel like i the, the score in this movie didn't really stand out to me all that yeah, much. i agree so um no, I totally agree, especially when you compare it to like Shawshank yeah. or, or The Player or, or even like American. He did American Beauty, yes. right? He, I just don't yes, get most did. of Mendez's films, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I thought this was interesting. I mean, we we haven't really ever talked about the individual, uh, you know, the individual music people in the music department. Mm-hmm. But uh, Daniel Watkins oh, yeah. had been one of the trumpet players. Uh, no, no relation to me, unfortunately, right. that I know of. He had been one of the original trumpet players. He had played in every Bond film since Dr. No, and this was his last hmm. That's so, crazy. Yeah, he did. He did all twenty-three of the of the main films. Uh, the film's theme was co-written by and recorded by Adele. Uh, song was nominated for it, won the Academy Award. We already mentioned that it was the first Bond song to yep. win, which is interesting that they win three in a row yep. after that. I mean, well, three not three years right. in a row, but um, but it was it was the fourth to be nominated, and it was the first one mm-hmm. to win. Uh, Daniel Kleinman is back to do the opening credits. He wasn't, he did Casino Royale and then they brought in somebody else uh, for Quantum of Solace. I think it's pretty damn apparent that he's back mm-hmm. <laughs> for Skyfall. <Yeah. laughs> 
Although he does actually use some women and stuff in this one, which makes a little bit more sense, but it's still not the traditional right. There's, like, silhouette. Yeah, it still feels like they're still in the what they started with Casino Royale, but they're yeah, but they're adding a few more uh, classic elements to it. So yeah, it's a really memorable one of the more memorable uh, title screens. I mm. would think title sequences. Mm. I would think of the Bond yep. films. Uh, a lot of that had to do with that. The song is a lot of mm-hmm. people's uh, favorite. Um, so reception wise, it was almost, I mean, it was, it was praised. I mean, it, it got really good reviews. I think it was like a 94% on Rotten Tomato. So one of the best reviewed Bond films, if not the best reviewed Bond film. Um, mostly it was mentioned. Mendez got a lot of mentions. Uh, Craig, Bardem, and Dench. Obviously, a lot of people liked them. Uh, Dench, especially, a lot of reviews revolved around the idea that she finally had something mm-hmm. to do. Yep. Um, and then uh, the action sequences. A lot of people liked those. Roger Ebert actually gave this four stars out of four stars. He called it a celebration of a beloved cultural icon. Um, it did get some negative reviews. Most of the negative stuff was around the runtime. It's yeah, about two, it's, it's almost two one. and a half hours. Yeah. I mean, it's, but I, I still feel like, I don't know, Casino feels longer than this one, though, for some reason. Um, a lot of people didn't really care as much for the final third of the film, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Uh, they just felt it didn't mesh well with what came before it. Uh, and Naomi Harris got a lot hmm. of shit. It's like. That's weird. She's fine. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, weird. I mean, yeah, I don't know. She's, it doesn't matter. Yeah, she's uh, absolutely fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Skyfall, uh, we already mentioned this. It was nominated, obviously, for Best Song. It won. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Original Score, as Chris mentioned. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Cinematography and didn't win, of course, because Deacons couldn't win yep. at that point. When did he finally win? Was it No Country? No, or? That was, no Country was... Oh, that was yeah, before this. Um, uh, let me see. What, it, what I mean, it's been really yeah, recent. Yeah, it was fairly right? like recent, last... yes. Um, let's see. He has now won two Oscars. Um but uh, his first one, come on. Uh, so he won for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Was his first no, one, and then uh, and then nineteen seventeen he won. Oh, of course, yeah. of course. And both of those are well deserved. At least it's not like a cinema woman, or right? Something, you know? Right. It's like, it was also nominated for best sound mixing. Uh, the only award it won that year, though, was no. I think was, it won. Did it? Song. It won the sound mixing too, right? This uh, this movie's won two Oscars, I think. No, oh, I might have read that uh. wrong. It's the 85th Academy Awards. I know that. Yes, yeah, sound editing. It won. It won best sound editing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you knew that because that. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. It won two out of four. It won uh, best sound mixing or sound editing and uh, original song. And that's really all I have on the behind mm-hmm. the scenes. So if there's nothing you have. Nope. So now we're going to move over to our next segment, which we call a review to a kill. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. We are going to give you our thoughts on whatever film we are discussing this week. This week we are discussing Skyfall. Um, Real quick, uh, before Chris starts talking about um, why he wants to have sex with this movie. Um... Mm, mm, mm. Uh, quick synopsis James Bond's loyalty to Elm is tested when her past comes back to haunt her when MI6 comes under attack 007 must track down and destroy the threat no matter how personal the cost so Chris what did you think watching Skyfall this time uh, yeah this is uh, this movie is is really good mm-hmm. 
it's uh, one of those, I think it has, even though the movie is two hours and 23 minutes long, I think it strips down uh, a lot yeah. of what we know from James Bond movies. And, uh, you know, it makes it, it makes it, I mean, the whole, the whole Daniel Craig series so far has been about, has been personal stuff uh, a lot of personal things going on during mm-hmm. it um and uh and so that he, so now he you know the the fact that he's an orphan and and uh, you know that this uh, the the main villain is someone who wants to antagonize M and uh you know there's there's more personal uh stuff in this one than uh, than you see in most James Bond mm-hmm. movies which usually there's somebody who is trying to take over the world or take over the world supply of x and uh they're doing this to get it and blah 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 it's completely different Mm uh in this case uh but um the only thing and this is one of those it's it's hard to criticize a bond movie for being ludicrous because that's what they that's what they are uh essentially they're ludicrous movies uh for the most part but i i'm pretty sure everybody i mean everybody and their mother has dissected that the silva uh make sure that the silva uh get caught on purpose uh plan and and you know so that he can get his computer in there and yeah you can that's one of those scenes that you watch till the end and you're like, there's just so many things that have to go right for this plan to work. Mm -hmm. Why would you ever, ever try this? Like, I guess, I guess you're at a point if you're Silva where you want to get revenge on M, this is the best way you can think of how, of how to do it. But man, there's so many things that have to go right Mm -hmm. for this to happen. You sit there and go, you sit there from the moment, like, from the moment Bond kills the assassin and gets that that coin mm-hmm. that he changes in to the point where you know we we see Silva break out of the the prison and uh he goes through the su- you know, the the tube everybody got upset at us for calling the tube <laughs> the subway um uh goes through the tube and he has that explosion where the the train crashes through and uh, and then he ends up in, he ends up at that hearing yeah. where M is yeah. and all that. And like, yes, I'm sure that the plan is significantly different if none of those things happen. Like this, there's still the, the end game on that is still to kill M, uh, by the end of it. And it, you know, but it just seems like there's too many things that go right for him to even consider this plan and not, and not to mention, of course, you know, we all we all know that. I guess we don't all know, but I I'm pretty sure that I think that this movie was uh, inspired by Dark Knight and Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises and and Christopher Nolan's treatment of of a of of something like this, mm-hmm. which is like a a big popcorn movie, but uh, but you know, making it more than just a popcorn movie mm-hmm. and and whatever. So like. This movie, the Dark Knight does the same thing with Joker, yeah. and it's got you know he he gets captured on purpose and all of that. Um, and there's just too many things that there's too many moving parts to these, 
and 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 of course as an audience we're like oh how delightful he did this on purpose and that's a what a great plan that is and whatever but then when you start looking at all the things it's like really really tough to to get over anyway he's about it's just one it's fine yeah it's anyway it's fine like if we're you know we're just talking about just you know, we're just talking about movie plots and whatever, yeah. and like whatever. Like we, we're just looking to get entertained. The Silva gets caught on purpose. Pl- part of this movie is fun. It's got a lot of yeah. great stuff in it. So I wouldn't want to like. I don't want to shit completely all over it, but it's just one of those. It's like, oh, please, I don't shit. know why you would just do this. Shit all over it. <laughs> I don't know why we would do this if you're Silva. I, I real um, quick before you go on, I just want to see. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me that it also doesn't make sense to me. He's about to kill Bond. So if Bond, I don't know if he's about to kill him, but he's about to do something. I can't remember exactly. But then Bond's like, oh, I have a radio uh, transmitter. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the helicopters and stuff come up. But like if that hadn't happened, if Bond hadn't had that with him, which there's no way that, you know, Silva would know he had. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's just none of it really makes any sense. Like if he hadn't been caught, did he have another plan? Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. He hasn't hacked into MI6 at this point. Yeah. And so the, I think the, I think, and this is the part that I find the most ludicrous. Okay. So like your plan hinges on Q or whoever the IT yeah. person is at MI6 completely losing their minds and hooking up their own stuff to the computer yeah. like like nobody's going to do that if they're like a true like like this level kind of government employee mm-hmm. that that does that knows it they're not going to just stick their own wires into a laptop seeing if it's going like oh we'll just see what he's got in here like you're going to go you're going to run some tests yeah. on this thing even if it's ludicrous that that's what he's planning to do you're going to do that so it's it, like like just imagine if just imagine if q is good at his job which he's not <laughs> even though these ben movies Winshaw. make it seem like he is i mean they try to make it out to be like he's the best but then something like this happens you're like there's no way you're the best like I love Ben Wishaw and I love yeah. this character, but he's terrible at his job to do this. <laughs> and of course, it's all like it's all funny and everything. It's like, how did he hack into our? Oh, <laughs> like it's that, yeah. that you know, like yeah, of course, that's how that like shit it's a happens. Action man. movie with The Rock or something. It's like a scene, right? Right. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, you you sit there and I sit there and I think about like, you know, I think about Silva in that prison that, you know, yeah. and, and, and Q just does the thing that he's supposed to do. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> it's over game, game over. So, um, uh, but no, I, 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 I enjoy all of this and I enjoy all the lead up to that. There's some real true, like good bond stuff, the good fighting in this and good, that, like I said, man, that there's so many scenes in here that are so beautiful, not only just because of what they've mm-hmm. put in the scene, but because Deacons is lighting oh, yeah. it. That fighting scene, that fight scene with the assassin is fantastic. Oh, it's the, awesome. All of the Macau, all the Macau stuff is great. Um, and, you know, as ludicrous as it is, the Silva thing has a lot of fun moments in it. Um, and then and when then they get to the, they get to Skyfall, and you get Albert Finney in there, yeah. and you get a lot of like Bond backstory. Which, by the way, this movie of above all would try would, would maybe prove that James Bond isn't a code name yeah, that they give sure. to, because he's actually got a father and a mother named Bond in this. So, 
as like Arthur Bond and then I, I guess a yeah. French uh, mother. Um, uh, but I, the Skyfall stuff, oh, it's such a beautiful thing to watch. That is where Deacons really shines. Yeah, I f- and people I feel complain like. about that. Like I don't understand why people don't like that. I don't. Understand. And, I mean, and I love. I love too. I think it's a little bit too simple. Uh, I love that they they give him breadcrumbs to follow, yeah. and like they try to make it where it's not too big of a thing, yeah. or else he'll know that there's something up. Uh, and don't make them too small so that he can at least follow them. And and I thought I think the way they described that was way too simple, but. I like the idea of them needing to get him isolated so that he doesn't have he, – he's been one step ahead. He's one of those villains who's always yeah. been one step ahead. Now you put him in the – you know what he doesn't have a home field advantage anymore. Uh, I really do – I really do like that. And you don't have a lot of collateral damage doing that too. Um uh, You know, the you, you just deal with the, the – the, you know, you're, you're – you know, you just you and them, and it's not like mm-hmm. casual the uh, people walking around in the subway or whatever, or the tube in London, you know, so um, or the underground in London. So uh, it's just I I like that. I do like that. I think when I first watched Skyfall, I didn't like it too much either. It didn't I, feel I didn't. like a very didn't feel like a very Bond mm-hmm. movie once it got to that point, but. They are making a different Bond movie here, and it and it really does. By the end of it, I was like, "Man, you gotta appreciate what Mendez and the mm-hmm. screenwriters did with this to make it a different kind of experience than any other Bond before." Even though, as you d- alluded to, they went back and did a lot of the Brosnan stuff in this uh, as well. well but they, they, yeah, they I used, think they, it felt like they used ideas at least, even if they were right. unintentional. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I I have a new appreciation for Skyfall. Yeah, I didn't like this at all when I saw it in the theater. I saw this with my wife. She really liked it. And then mm-hmm. I also other people that I talked to about it. They're like, I thought that was amazing. So I was like, I don't know what I watched. I don't know if I was in a bad mood. I don't I don't I don't remember. But like I watched it again, maybe like, you know, eight months later or whatever, whenever it was available on television. And I was like, oh yeah, this is actually pretty damn good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think it's like. I know a lot of people. This is like this is like I still think I prefer Casino Royale over this. I a do. Little bit, yeah, at least. I do. This might very easily be the second best, unless unless I just missed out on Spectre too, and that ends up becoming like this amazing feat or something. I highly doubt it. I have yeah. me too. Uh, but yeah, no, I didn't like this at all when I saw it in the theater. I thought it was. I don't know. I just didn't care for it. Um, but yeah, no, it's great. Um, and like I said, that that final third now. I, I can I guess I can appreciate that people feels like it's a little detached from what happens before, but once again, like you're saying, I wonder if people were just like, "This isn't a normal Bond film," so yeah, this doesn't you don't make have, sense. I mean, Silva has all the hallmarks of a classic villain. Absolutely, he's got a a uh, a physical affliction in this movie that uh, that a lot of Bond villains have, uh, uh, and in the, and in this case, you know, he he bit on a cyanide yeah. capsule and it didn't kill him. And he pulls out, he's got some sort of like, I don't know, retainer of some sort yeah, that he like, pulls out. Yeah, it's kind of like a false teeth thing. But it does way more than just yeah. teeth. Because when he pulls it out, his che- his cheeks are suck, so, like sunken in. His eyes are weird. Yeah. Like, not weirder, but they're like, his no, eyes his eye are on that side is down. Droops, yeah. yeah. And so then he puts it back in and you can see how it restores his face. And yeah, that's uh 
you know, I think that's one of the good themes about this movie is that uh, is that you put somebody in a situation uh, like this, and it's going to fuck with you a lot of times. Uh, like I and and he's one of these he's one of these villains that like yes he needs to be he needs to either be jailed or killed by the end of this movie, but mm-hmm. but it, you you can see how like. A, a, a seemingly benign force like the like mi6 or whatever like we're trying to do something for good could end up you know training someone to become you know they they could they you know their psychology becomes mm-hmm. such a as such that they're they they become a villain by the by the end of it and everything so i, I did enjoy that piece of it too as well i tried to look up how they did the 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 mouthpiece thing i guess you just called a mouthpiece and um but i couldn't really find anything and i guess probably because a lot of it's computer but whatever they did like the makeup mixed with the computer that is an amazing thing especially it really when is. he puts it back in and it just goes immediately back mm-hmm. uh that, i don't know that's one of the most impressive like single shots or whatever with of an effect that i've ever seen it's um, really well done yeah yeah and uh that story is t- like he's actually he's terrifying like he's actually scary like you actually feel like like i never really felt that like i like mads mickelson but that character i never felt like that character was gonna like do any damage or anything no. like no. Silva, you feel no. like if he wanted to take over the world he probably could <laughs> like you just yeah he was very, but his, and Bardem has a lot to do with that too. Yeah, his only drive is to kill M. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that he wants to and do. He is, is kind of Joker esque. Yeah, um, a little bit. He likes chaos and, you know, he just yeah. wants to have some fun. Um, One thing, by the way, I didn't, uh, I don't know how old Silva's supposed to be, by I don't the either. way. I, I don't know what the deal is, but it, like he says that his, his, um, uh, period of time as an agent at MI6 was from 1986 to 1997. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, she does say that. And so, and it, you know, one thing that we we know is that movies don't necessarily go by actors' ages mm-hmm. and everything. If we go by Bardem's actual age, he would have been 17 in 1986. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie is... is uh, I think this movie is set in modern day. It's not like set in like I believe you know, so, yeah. Twenty ten or something yeah. like that. Maybe I don't know. At this point in time you could, you could talk about like well, twenty ten is not too far away from this one. Um it, it it's it's weird that he would he would I don't know. The thing that and it wasn't necessarily Bardem's age, but the fact that it seemed like he was so much older than Craig, and Craig is technically older an older actor than Bardem Interesting. like a by months and uh and so like uh, I thought that was kind of weird that he was playing somebody who had this kind of career so many years ago and then he in 1997 and it's what he's got 15 years where he's just been like yeah. you know and and uh you know meanwhile uh James Bond has been working and like getting his uh, he just became a, a double O not too long ago. If we went by when the movies came out, it took six years. Was six years ago that mm-hmm. he became a double O. Who knows how long he's been before that? He was something else. I don't know, but it's weird to have it have that kind of career from eighty six to ninety seven. I wondered why they picked those years out of all of them. When yeah, it would have made more sense to make it a little bit further modern day, <laughs> but. 
Um, that's true. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. But he's really good. He's one of the better villains I think that we've had in this franchise in quite mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. Um, he's definitely in that conversation. Um, I think, and I love the action. You've already mentioned that. Uh, that fist fight. It's amazing to watch that fist fight, especially in the same year like Avengers. Came mm-hmm. out. And Dark Knight Rises, because Christopher Nolan is not great at, at filming fistfights. But right. um, uh so I don't know, it's just wild. It's 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 kind of becomes more appreciative because you just don't see in in big releases. I know there's still a lot of like lower budgeted action movies being made that are released like directive, you know, like Scott Atkins and all these people. Mm-hmm. And, uh there's also a lot of stuff being done in, in, in Asia and whatnot. So I know these things still exist, but like in big budget Hollywood studio movies, like you just don't see fighting like this outside of like a John Wick movie or something. So mm-hmm. it's just it's kind of nice to see that they can still get people to come in and do that correctly. Um, yeah. I and the I love the motorcycle chase. I, yeah. I the oh, the whole opening I I really enjoy. I'm still yeah, with the you. I think it's great. Yeah. I think the Casino Royale opening is just because it's so I just like how stripped down it is. Mm-hmm. Uh but I do really like this opening. It's a lot better than Quantum Assault. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I mean, I if I don't know when you were talking about how people brought up Naomi Harris as something they didn't like about this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Naomi Harris herself or if it was the money penny character. Yeah. I think it was more just the way the character was written. I think because she is by all measures that we can, we can tell in the beginning, she's a badass, and she's given, yeah. she's given a tough task a very like nearly impossible task to do and she gets punished for it where she becomes a you know she becomes the desk person after this although i think in the next couple of movies she's not just like what money penny has been i don't think so no i think she gets out some at least maybe inspector she does i feel yeah, like so she she doesn't completely get lost behind the desk but no. but but yeah it is kind of weird to me that i i guess this is what would happen i don't know but don't it know. is kind of weird to me that that in a, an impossible situation she's punished for it yeah. or whatever so like yeah like it would be nice if she was kind of like um she was kind of like helping him out in other spots where you know it, it, hey you know what this isn't just a one-man thing there's a, a, var- a ton of people who work to make a mission successful mm-hmm. and that she's one of them or whatever kind of like mm-hmm. how lashana lynch is used in no time to die yeah so I- I could be wrong. We can go ahead and talk about the end, by the way. I could be wrong. I got the impression that she chose to not be in the field anymore, but I could be wrong about that. Oh, it could maybe. Yeah. That was kind of my impression. I'm not saying the movie is clear on that, but there's something she says to Bond near the end where it felt like that. But the ending is so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is one part where I, I, it, I, I don't know it makes the movie worse or anything, but it's just weird. Like a couple of things, like the kill M, which is super like, that's, that's really well handled. Um, like you actually feel in that scene, like you feel, you know, that hurts Bond and that sucks. And I mean, you just, just, I love the Bond and M stuff in this movie and I love mm-hmm. how they built up to it. And then they were able to go out like this with it. But then it kind of feels like at the end, like, but now everything's back to normal. We've got a male M and we've got money penny back. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's like we, it's like we, like we went back a few steps. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So, and it also, it's kind of like, this is one thing I hate about No Way Home, the Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. is that at the end of this movie, it feels like we just watched three films to see a fucking origin story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, right. 
I thought Casino Royale was the origin story, but then at the end of this, it's like, oh, so now we're back to the where everything should be. Right. By uh, the no, way, no, no women ruling. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> I'm Money Penny, and like, yeah. yeah oh, know. that was so ridiculous. Yeah. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one other thing I wanted to talk about was Ray Fiennes. I thought I thought he's good in this too, especially no, what good. they he's what they did good. with his character too, because, uh, you know. Q and what who is Rory Kinnear's character's name again? Tanner. Tanner, that's right. Why I should know this by now. We've said this a million <laughs> times. Q and Tanner are in there doing that breadcrumb thing, and they're to, they're yeah. they're totally not supposed to. This is this is actually not an order they've been given um, uh, by the the higher ups. But you know, he finds comes in there and asks them what they're doing, and then and then basically gives them advice and says, mm-hmm. you know, and says, yeah, and if this doesn't work, you know, all of us are going to be fired. So, mm-hmm. but he it shows that he's on their side and that he's not he's not going to be a bureaucrat and everything. I really do enjoy that. Although he comes, I think he becomes a little bit more of a bureaucrat once he gets the M status uh, uh, later. Well, he- He's very anti-James Bond going on this mission. Yeah. And that confuses me, too, because there's this whole thing about where he didn't he failed his uh, tests to, to get back in the field, but M still sends him. And I guess we're supposed to think, because she just trusts him, she didn't trust anybody else. Right. Like he's the one that she trusts, which is fine, but I don't know. That's weird. But then, like, Ray Fine seems really against it, and he's even, like, he's come to tell M that she has to retire. Right. Uh, which we hadn't talked about. So that's that's like her, so she knows she's going out regardless. So I guess she might as well send the guy she trusts to yeah. try to help her. But 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 then again, it's like but he failed. All, he's not ready. So like yeah, I don't know. But Ray finds though. I don't know if they ever come around and say I, I might have missed something. But I find it odd that at the end, like he's like, hey, glad you're here, Bond. Let's send you out on another mission. When yeah. he was so anti. Bond. He, I mean, he's not like a dick or anything, but he just seemed it's, very much against her sending Bond. He liked younger people. Yeah, and, he and he, the only explanation I can have that why his character changed at all was those hearings. Uh, like, I guess so. Yeah, because he's got the one, uh, the one woman, and I've seen her in many movies before. She just recently died, and I can't. Let me look. Let me look. Yeah, I, I know you're talking, but I can't. I can remember. What she, she played like Narcissa Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies, but uh, oh, okay. Uh, but uh, who was it? So she played Ellen uh, McCrory. Oh yeah, she Helen, played his mom, Malfoy's mom. Yes, uh, she's the one who plays Claire Dower MP, uh, who is the one questioning uh, M. And there's a point where it just seems like it. All it is is just uh, an opportunity for her to yell at M the entire time. Yeah. And there's a point where. <laughs> Where Malloy basically is like, uh, could you, could we maybe make it where she says something? Because yeah, this is becoming yeah. just, just for, just for some, like she says, just for like difference or, you know, something <laughs> like, like something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, so maybe he's kind of realized that after, after uh, M says like, you know, we, we're in a world now where things aren't clear anymore. They're, the villains don't even have borders uh everything is opaque he maybe finally realized after that speech and after the whatever that you know what she's right it's not it's not really as easy as it once was there's not people just working for certain countries and you can 
you know put pressure on countries about these guys anymore these villains anymore you have to put you have to find them out there in the the ether and it's really hard to do so yeah that's an interesting thing that the movie explores like i like that that what you're talking about because it does he does say that like he feels like with the technological advances and all that kind of stuff they don't need these like assassins basically like they can they can do this differently now Mm -hmm. you know i don't know what exactly he's expecting to do i know he mentions youth a bunch of times like we need to bring in more yeah 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 um and then even q you know q says stuff like you know a bond's like is that it you know when he hands him his stuff and q's like were you expecting an exploding pen you know he's like "We've, we've moved on from that so there's all that stuff about that i don't know that they get into it a ton but it does feel like at least at times it's supposed to be like how does bond fit mm. in this uh, in this kind of world but then like you said they they do point out that like yeah but we have these technological advances but so do the bad guys yeah. and so they have it's almost harder to find them you know whereas you know so i don't know i, I that is an interesting i i think i mean i do think this movie is really good i just i don't know that i love it as much as some people yeah yeah but, i get you and I think I think the ends I just the end is so weird. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it seriously feels like, you know, we've got a man running it now. We're we're back to well, what it and, should and maybe be. you should have like <laughs> maybe you should do a funeral for you should show the funeral for him. Yeah, something. And, and like just kind of make that the ending and not this whole like you know I for some reason I can't remember what I can't remember what sketch show this was, but there's like a there's like a sketch where where this what, this man and woman are in a spaceship and they're like uh, like we're headed towards this blue green planet or whatever. And it's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, yeah. what's your name?" He's like, "My name's Adam." And she's like, "Eve." And then the, and then that's the end of the whatever. That's what that that ending of that kind reminded of. me of. Yeah. Um so uh yeah the ending is it's very weird you're you're right and i do think i think with the 50th anniversary and stuff i mean i think they're tipping their hat to that and that kind of thing so i think that's part of it as well yeah. but yeah, i don't know well, do it's, a it's, hat gag like, then do a hat gag at the end yeah yeah <laughs> i actually thought they did for some reason they show like, the I hat rack they but they don't ever show yeah, him do anything that's all they do yeah. yeah and my but it's not funny how you'll put stuff in your head yeah uh and i'm sure i'm just thinking of another bond film but anyways um yeah, this is this is a really good Bond film. I mean, this is and and in my from what I remember, this will probably be I don't I guess I don't want to give away. It's it's the second best Craig film at least now, and I'm pretty sure it's going to stay that way. Yeah. for me. Yep. Um, I know No Time to Die's got a lot of fans though, so I can I'm sure there are people out there, and I'm sure Spectre's got its fan base. They all do. Yep. You don't understand why Quantum of Solace is the best. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Show me how you don't understand Quantum of Solace by, you know, whatever that <laughs> meme fucking shit is. Whenever somebody's like, there's a movie that somebody really loves. Like, tell me how, tell me how you don't know anything about Quantum of Solace without saying anything about Quantum of Solace. Some shit. Whatever the fuck they say. No, that's what they say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So now we'll just do our rankings really quick. Uh, we're going to rank this film in four categories. Uh, we're still leaving out the gadgets because, I mean, that, I guess, kind of becoming a little more of a thing, but still not really a thing in this one. Um, our scale will be based on something that Bond holds near and dear to his heart as long as they are shaken and not stirred, and that would be martinis. So for each category, we will rank from one to five martinis, five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips, one being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night. Uh, so, Chris, what, did, what would you rate, like, the story overall feeling toward the movie? 
yeah, I'm going to give this a four out of five. I just think is they, they mm-hmm. did so many uh, cool things with the characters here. And the, the um, it seems like they really did something different with this that, you know, didn't require to have this super, 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 super villain who's uh, looking to uh, control something of some sort in the world. He just wants revenge. And I think that's a really cool uh thing so uh yeah i give this a four out of five same all the same reasons you said mm-hmm. too and uh like it's weird because like i don't know like i can't i mean i've mentioned the ending's kind of weird and it's i don't even think it's too long but i don't know it just it's not a five i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. why it's not but it just isn't yeah. for me uh uh the bond craig what do you think of helm in this uh absolutely fantastic in this i'm gonna give yeah. him a five out of five in this movie um uh so many different things that he has to deal with uh, like uh character wise i mean uh, you see him at the after the opening sequence he's he's in that uh, he's on that island whatever resort or mm-hmm. whatever and he's definitely like depressed and uh you know even though he has a life that a lot of us would be like hell yeah let's go down on the island and like bang hot hot girls and like you know and and uh, drink alcohol and apparently his drug uh evaluation saw that he had substances in it like he must have been doing cocaine yeah, they don't really talk yeah, about it after he must that. have done cocaine while he was down there anyway he was he's he's definitely not in a good place but then seeing him face his his past and going back to the his original family home mm-hmm. and 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 uh you know this was a really touchy subject in the in casino royale when ava green brought it up uh mm-hmm. you know the the whole thing being an orphan and then he he comes back here and faces it and everything i really do uh think craig has to do some pretty good uh some pretty good lifting in this one so i'll give him a five out of five no, I give it a five too. I think I, even though I prefer probably Casino Royale as a movie, I think this is Craig's best performance yeah. so far. Uh, he's he's really good. Uh, so the villain, uh, which is pretty much just Silva, we don't yeah, really there's have no other... like. Um, and he's, I mean, he's very effective. I'm just gonna give him a four. I, I once again, I don't know why I'm not giving him a five, but I, he just feels like a four. But I think he's a very interesting villain. I mean, I think. And I think Bardem just, I think Bardem makes him better than maybe he is on the page. Because mm-hmm. uh, he does. He makes, like you said, that rat story, the fact that we have to hear all that. I mean, it's kind of silly, but Bardem actually is able to make it at least interesting, mm-hmm. I yeah. guess. Uh, you know, and then all his stuff, like even when he's in the jail and he's pulling his thing out, and he's giving a bunch of speeches there. I mean, Bardem makes it work. So I'm going to give him a four. Yeah, and I forgot also, I guess the assassin guy would also be a part of that. Oh, that's that. true. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very forgettable, though. That's why we forgot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there is an assassin. Uh, was it? Is it Patrice, uh, the guy? It's Ola so. Rapace or Rapace. Uh, yeah, I did not mention him in the cast. I forgot um, to. But, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he's kind of forgettable because he doesn't, I don't know if he even has a line in this movie. I'm not sure uh, if he does. That's a Can't guy. remember if he has a line, unfortunately. But, uh, but uh, seems to be good at what he does. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean Silva himself. Uh, I would. I'm. I'm going to be forced to give him a four too. He's. He's basically a five villain, uh, with the 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 acting pedigree that's here. 
But mm-hmm. yeah, there's a little, there's the, I still think that there, he would have come up with a better plan than he did than to get caught on purpose and yeah. all of the things that have to go well for that to work. Um, so, you know, there's, there's stuff like that. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I give him a four out of five. Uh, he doesn't get a chance to do much else other than that big prison break thing. Uh, I mean, he gets, he gets to, you know, he, he leads that whatever hell is it a helicopter or whatever assault at the end. But like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it, there's, there is something, there's like one thing missing from it being a complete five. I agree on that. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. Uh, the Bond song. What do you think of that? Sky. Yeah. Fall, which is the, I, I forgot to mention. It's the first uh, in the, at least in the Craig films. It's the first one that actually is the title of the movie. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got to give this a five out of five. See, this is just really well done. Really well. Uh, this song is awesome. It is. It's it is. I. Yeah, it really is. It's not like when I think to listen to or anything, but every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is pretty mm-hmm. powerful. So uh I yeah, I give it a five. I mean, it's 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 a it's a really well written song. Sometimes things are just what they are. Uh, they're popular for a good yep. reason. <laughs> I don't know if I've given other songs fives. Uh, I, you get? I think you gave the may Chris have given Cornell the Chris Cornell a five. The, I think that's the only one. And I'm probably I gave um, Goldfinger five out of five. I'm, you might have given Goldfinger five. I can't remember, or maybe like a four and a half yeah. or something. Yeah, I'd have to go back and but, listen. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, those are all in the same class. And then I, I, and yeah, and you uh, also uh, live and let die would also be up there too. Oh yeah, it's yeah. up there. Uh, you also really gave you were. I think you gave a five to Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, sure. absolutely. That song <laughs> is in heavy rotation. Uh, the man with the golden yeah, gun. Yeah, yeah. Is in heavy rotation. Yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, we hope you will join us again next week. We'll be talking about Spectre. Yeah, Spectra. Spectre. 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 Spectre, yeah. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are at GoldSpy007. Uh, you can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at SamLoomis13. You can email us at golddiamonddeath 7 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSins brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, we would appreciate it. Uh, until then, uh, keep the martinis dry and shaking, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gas. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off, and we will see you next mission. <laughs> special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.